I mean, you could, you could try playing it back, see how the you know how the levels are and stuff. See if um, it's picking it up. Up to you, though. Okay. Uh, <laughs> you know, we'll just go with it. So, anyway, here with Dimitri Samarov down uh, in Bridgeport, and we're going to take a short ride, which is kind of a meta for me because I'm driving around a former taxi cab driver, <laughs> uh, but also an, an artist and author of two books, which um, I read and I highly enjoyed, and you should get it. So that's the shameless plug, right? No shame in it. Okay. Well, I, you know. <laughs> so we're going to talk about um, rideshare driving, um, what it was like being a cab driver uh, while I am driving around. So the first issue is where we're going to drive. And what I wanted to throw out there, because we were talking about how in the cab driver days you have to kind of know all the streets. Sure. Yeah. So I admit it, I'm a north sider. Mm -hmm. I know those streets, but when sure. I take passengers, you know, down here to like Bridgeport, southwest side, also far south sides, it's like it's like a total mystery to me. I'm just flying on radar or GPS. Right. You're totally you're totally dependent on on the little screen. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so uh, I was thinking, if you wanted to just you know take me wherever you want to go, like sort of those hidden areas of Chicago, like Bridgeport, shortcuts, dead ends, places where they <laughs> never find a dead body. <laughs> uh, we, you know, we can do that. So, because uh, I'm going to be trying to talk and drive at the same time and okay. we'll see how that goes. Sure. I mean, I think we can, since we don't have a set destination, we can just wander around. Okay. Yeah. I mean... Go down here to Halstead and take a right. Okay. Which is the next light. Yep. So, for those of you who are not aware, um, like I said, Dimitri has written two books. Um, and tell me again, they came out in like 2011? The first one, Hack Stories from a Chicago Cab, was 2011 mm -hmm. uh, from University of Chicago Press. The second was Where to a Hack Memoir from Curbside Splendor in 2014. And why were there two books? Because, uh, well, uh, university presses are very thorough and take a long time to, to the publishing process, basically, for that first book took two years. And while I was doing that, I really learned how to put a book together. But also, while I was doing that, I was, riding, I was driving my cab and accumulating more and more stories. Mm -hmm. So I knew, basically, before I even handed in uh, the, the finished manuscript for that first book that there would have to be a second okay. and then uh, also uh, by the time so yeah I started writing uh, the second one in 2012 uh, and in 2012 was the year that I quit driving a cab so there was a natural ending for the second book Okay. because it was the end of my cab career was the second book more personal than the first one? Uh, it was different. I mean, it's not really a sequel. It's more of like a summing up of the whole experience. Mm -hmm. So it goes wider. It's a, like a, it pulls back a little bit and it gives a broader picture, both of the industry and my experiences in it. Okay. The first one, if you remember, is structured like the days of the week. Right. It's like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. So it was sort of supposed to be like a week in the typical life of a cab driver, but, you know, over years kind of mm -hmm. whereas the second one was uh, I was trying to 
sort of make some conclusions about my whole experience. So in the in the second book, it starts with my very first cab ride and ends with my very last, mm -hmm. and that's it's over a period of basically twenty years. Okay. Because I started in '93 and finished in 2012. You you spent three years as a cab driver in Boston. Yes, the first three were Boston. Okay. Um, if you compare Boston and Chicago, which city was more difficult or challenging? Uh, Geography-wise, Boston was much more uh, difficult because it has no grid. Every street meanders; they're all one way, and they're never the, the way you need them to go. Mm -hmm. um, also, uh, also, it's filled with uh, Boston is just filled with college students. They like to be funny and play tricks on people, and uh, you know, call cabs and then then not show up or pile like eight or nine people in the car. Yeah, it's a lot, a, a lot of comedy, quote unquote. Um, so there was that, but I mean, there were for me, there were very different experiences because I was at different points in my life. So I was a cab driver in Boston from age twenty-three to age like almost twenty-seven, uh, and then in in Chicago from thirty-three to forty-two. Mm -hmm. so, so I was at different points in my life. Okay. So they're they're sort of hard to compare. Uh, if you don't mind me asking, uh, do you have a family? Nope. Okay. <laughs> no, uh, and I just say that because, you know, sometimes as you get older and you start a family, then, you know, things change for you. Yes. No, uh, I'm, I'm one of the weird people that have always sort of gone my way. I've, I've had my share of relationships. Um, let's take a ride at this next Okay. Uh, go into where the Chicago stockyards used to be. Okay. So like a historic, you wanted something, oh, <laughs> yeah, an, a, amazing historic Chicago thing, right. and this is, uh, well, it's now an industrial park, but this is where the the stockyards okay. used to be. Yeah, we're at Halstead and Forty First for those of you. Yeah, here's the sort of like traditional ornamental gate in the stockyards oh, that cool. they keep here. I have never. Have been you here. ever been in here? No, no. Well, we'll drive around a little bit. Okay. It's, it's uh yeah, if you, you want Chicago history, this is a big, big part of it. <laughs> yeah, this is where a lot, a lot of you know millions of animals were slaughtered. Right. Uh, but now they're mostly office parks of office little businesses of various kinds, some food related, others not. But uh, there's, I think, on the north end of this, because I there's a um, event venue that I often pick people up at. Oh, okay. It's like, you know, they do high-end events, but it's like right in the middle of a desolate stretch, you know, the south end of Pilsen. Yeah. Right. Okay, where were we? <laughs> oh, you were <laughs> talking about your life. You said, you know, you're... Oh, yeah. In a yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, I've had relationships and stuff, but uh, my my first and most important relationship has been to making art. And okay. That's always come first, and it always will, obviously. I mean, I'm... I'll be 40, take a left, yeah, uh, I'll be 48 late, later this year, uh, so this is, I've, it's kind of obvious that there's no quote-unquote settling down, or this is as settled yeah. down as I'm going to get, um, I just, yeah, I have to, have to do what I have to do, and all personal relationships come second to that, I can take a right at 43rd Street, come back out, oh. and, and, and out there's going to be another gate out of this thing, but yeah, this this whole area was stockyards, you know, wow. slaughterhouses. So wind turbine now. Yeah, there's a wind turbine down here. 
no idea. Yeah. Yeah, they. Yeah, around here there's a lot of they're experimenting in all kinds of stuff. I know in back of the arts there's this thing called the plant, uh -huh. which has a it's a vertical farm and there's a brewery and right. all this innovative technological um, and agricultural stuff. People are making up all kinds of ways to survive and keep living, you know, mm -hmm. on the planet since we're all doing our best to destroy it. It seems like you know these days. Uh, when you were a cab driver. Um, did you find that that profession uh, detracted from your ability to have relationships? Just, if no other reason than crazy schedule, long hours? Probably, probably, although, um, yeah. Uh, when, actually, I mean, one of the reasons uh, I, I quit when I did in 2012 was I was living with a woman who had a, a regular, you know, office job. I mean, she would get up at like six, seven in the morning, go to work, should be done at four or five, and I would work, you know, from the afternoon until four or five in the morning. So we'd see each other for an hour. Right. So I start I start taking more and more breaks, uh, and then which detracted from my income. So I, I, I decided to just take a left. Uh, this is Ashland Avenue, Forty Third, um, and but I was paying to rent the cab while I was sitting in front of the house, you know, so mm -hmm. after a while, something had to give, and the cab driving was the was the thing that had to go away. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, it's not super conducive to, to relationships of any kind. Yeah. Yeah, because I was, I mean, I was going 60 to 80 hours a week regularly. Yeah. That was, that was my work schedule, you know? What, what I'm finding, you know, as a rideshare driver is... There's a term called FOMO, fear of missing out. Sure. And drivers often talk about it because, you know, like whatever plans you have, if it's raining or if like the CTA goes down mm -hmm. or some other yeah. incident, you're like, oh my God, I have to go out and drive because fares are through the roof right now. Right. Yeah. Because you have that, that yeah, where, where you gouge the customers hike up the prices. <laughs> right. Yes. And, uh, it's horrible. <laughs> you know, but like having a family now, you know, my, my wife tends to schedule uh, kids' activities on the weekends. And I'm like, honey, you know, Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays, those are like sure. my, you know, key works. And so every moment you have the car, like I can't be making money. So. Well, of course. In the olden days, in, in my days of cab driving, people would hang on to their leases of the cabs all week. Mm -hmm. Basically, early in the week, they would just break even not you know they would basically pay for the lease just to have it for the Friday and Saturday where they could actually make the real money Thursday Friday Saturday mm -hmm. make the real money but yeah oftentimes early in the week you lose money mm -hmm. just but you couldn't you know nobody would write to you just on the weekend you know right because those were the prestigious times the other thing that I feel over this past year is I feel a sense like I'm constantly taking people to fun and interesting things, uh -huh. but sort of like I was telling you earlier about bar and restaurant staff, it's like we always have to work while other people are having fun. Of course, yeah. Uh, yeah so sometimes yeah. you get this feeling that like you can't really enjoy life because if you know there's like a oh there's a huge concert with a band that I love to see, mm -hmm. well I should be working that concert instead of going yeah. to the concert. I don't know though. I mean, from from years and years of doing that and then working in restaurants and bars, I mean, 
all my jobs basically in my whole adult life have been service industry. I've never had a strip like a salary job mm-hmm. or like an office job because my main thing has been art. I don't. There is no office job that I never want. Uh, but from watching people, you know, quote unquote, have a good time, a lot of the times. I feel like there's this. Pre- they seem to be under pressure to be having a good time when they're not, because they're told that since th- these are their days off, this is when you're supposed to have fun. It doesn't look like that much fun to me a lot of the times, and I don't know. There's nothing fun to me about being stuffed into like sardines into a bar, you know, on a weekend. It seems miserable to me. I like going to a bar on like a Monday afternoon. <laughs> Industry night, right? Or, or whatever, yeah. yeah. Uh, just when they're regulars. <laughs> uh-huh. And, I don't know. <laughs> that's, maybe that's just me. It's strange. I don't know. Uh, when, when you were driving, this, I was going to ask you, like, are there some cab driver hangouts? But it also made me think of a related question. As I'm driving around mm-hmm. at night, you know, I drive by these places where all the cab drivers hang out, and they tend to be like Indian, Pakistani, twenty-four mm-hmm. hour places, restaurants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The cabbie restaurants, right? Yep. And, and I always tell my friends, like, I'm scared to death at stopping at one of those because I, I, I feel like I'm going to get beat up by those guys <laughs> when they see my placards. You know, what's your take on that? I don't. You know, uh, I mean, like I told you, I stepped away before rideshare really took over yeah so the, all the tensions between the driver the cab drivers and the rideshare people hadn't really come to any kind of boiling point uh-huh. uh, I have no idea how you'd be treated I imagine in a lot of those places uh, it, those are the same people the rideshare in the end I mean these comp- the, the rideshare companies and the cab companies both treat the drivers like crap mm-hmm. uh, there's very little difference to me between like Uber and yellow cab. Okay. <laughs> They're both basically the enemy of the driver. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, I mean, since the biggest change in the cab industry really came when, right when I was starting to do it in the early 90s. So in the early 90s, cab companies around the country realized that rather than having employees and splitting the meter, you know, and giving them benefits, they could just rent the cars and ask for a flat lease fee. Mm-hmm. And then they didn't care how much you made. So when I started, there were some old timers that were still, it was called being a commission driver. So like, you know, the company would get like 40% and you keep 60%. So mm-hmm. if you had a good night, they had a good night and vice versa. But when I started, I, I didn't have that option. Uh, I just paid the lease and they didn't care if I made a dime. Okay. And that's basically the same model that rideshare and Uber. You right. know, like you paid them. They don't care, you know. Right. <laughs> you know, I I tell people uh, that I have mixed feelings about this let's whole. Take, let's take a left at the next line. Okay. Okay. Garfield. I have mixed feelings about the whole thing because I do feel complicit in destroying the taxicab industry. But I'm not talking about the industry. Uh-huh. I'm talking about the individual drivers who have invested in the medallion. Sure. Only to find the value of it now has crashed. Yes. Um, yeah, I don't know what it's down to now. At the peak, it was over three hundred thousand here, maybe four hundred. I forget. Mm-hmm. Uh, now I think it's under a hundred. If if it's a hundred anymore. Did you ever own a medallion? No, I never. No, I mean one of the big attractions for me 
being a cab driver is that any day I could walk away. Okay. There's no investment. And because my main thing has always been art, you know, like if I had a good good run of selling artwork or making other kind of ways of money, I would just take time off. So yeah, I'll stick a gift okay. through the parks a little bit. Yeah, this is one of the areas where I actually get lost a lot is um, in Hyde Park with all the curving boulevard streets. Mm-hmm. Um, and also some of the uh, traffic signals are kind of vague, like yeah. when to merge, who's got the right of way. Sure. Um, yeah, I, w I wouldn't feel so guilty about destroying the cab industry. The, the cab industry did that to itself. Right, but like I said, the individuals who are maybe now in financial ruin, yeah, because they invested. I, I'm not clear how that process works, but they get a loan, right? Sure. Buy the it's, like, it's like a mortgage. It's like buying a house or buying any other kind of business. Yeah. So it's a thing. You know, if it's a save and it, it costs a hundred thousand dollars, you know, most people don't have a hundred thousand dollars, so they have to take a loan of some kind and they pay it off, like you pay off a house or whatever else. And who, who do they get the loans from? Cab companies themselves? Or? No, no, no. Banks. Okay. Their 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 companies set up to finance this stuff. Uh, cab companies are basically just middlemen. Mm -hmm. What cab companies do is they manage the cars. They they give them the paint jobs, like a yellow cab or a checker or whatever. They put in the dispatch system. They put in like in the old days there was a shield, you know, to separate right. the back seat from the front seat. Uh, all that stuff. They maintain the vehicles, but uh, there's always they always have individual owners. Like an, uh, a medallion, uh, an owner will have like four or five medallions, and they'll they'll pay a fee to Yellow Cab to manage it. And the Yellow Cab gets lease drivers because you need to run the cars 24 hours a day in order to make your money back, you know, or to keep making money. But uh, but yeah, the the choices, as I was saying, for past 25 years uh, is you're, you're either a lease driver or you're an owner-operator. But yeah, so those individuals whose, I don't know, lives have been ruined now because they're underwater on a mm -hmm. on a mortgage on their medallion. Yeah. Um, you hear, Like there was a story at some New York livery driver who committed suicide in front of City Hall because he wanted to protest Uber and Lyft. Mm-hmm. I think you're going to start seeing more stories like that of individual yeah. you know, cabbies and livery drivers. But, but I mean, these comp you know, these industries like the, the limo and taxi industry, they they could have under you know they they could have cut Uber off at the pass if they had just invested a little bit in technology. The only thing that Uber offers, really, I mean, yeah, there's a song and dance about you're your own boss and it's just a part-time gig, blah, 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 but all they're doing is offering you a different way to get to customers. It's a dispatching system. Mm -hmm. They're an app, you know? Right. Like, they're, they're, they're not a, you know, at, at, at their heart, they're not a, a cab company or a, a transportation company. They're just an app. And if these, the traditional transportation industries had just spent a little bit of money on that kind of stuff to realize that society was changing the, the way people communicate changed that they did they can't have it their own way for forever there would be no Uber I think 
Yeah, one of the big issues now with rideshare drivers is the low pay rates and how many of them you know, are making less than minimum wage. $3 an hour, I hear. Yeah, yeah, it depends, right, on what <laughs> well, study that's, it's and over, what you believe. It's over and, time. Right. Yeah, because there's all these hidden costs that they're not telling you. Right, because you're using your own car. Yes. Um, was it ever better in the cab driving days, though? No, it's not better. Uh, the, uh, the only... I mean, you don't have to own your own car, but you're paying... I was paying about $100 a day to lease a car, you know, so... Mm -hmm. um, but were you well, making more than minimum wage back in those days? Yes, but I was—I mean, the, the way—the only way to do that is to is to work sixty to 80, eighty hours a week. You know, that's how you make a living. You have to just put in crazy hours, and you, you really have to know the city, and you have to cultivate your own clientele. You have to have your own customers. Yeah. I mean, today, like, if I could stand, I I can't sit in a car for for days at a time anymore. It's one—it's you know, one of the reasons I quit. If I was could tolerate making a living driving. I, w I would I would sign up for all the apps like the Lyft, the Via, the, the mm -hmm. Uber, all of them. Get my own customers and make side deals with all these with these people. It's funny uh, you mentioned I mean, that. I, I would get them off the apps altogether. I, half my customers at the end of the cab were doing that. They would just text me. Right. You know? All you need is a square reader for your phone, and you you're running your own business anyways. You're not working for these people. Right. They're supposed to be working for you. You know. They're right. helping you make a living. Well, it's funny you mention that because a lot of the veteran rideshare drivers that I've met do exactly that. Of course they do. It's a no-brainer. Like, why, why, why should, why should you give these people any money at all? I wouldn't if I could help it. Yeah. You know? Well, one one concern is the liability that when you're not on the app, uh -huh. if there's an accident or something, you know, it's all on you. Mm -hmm. um, Trust me. At the end of the day, it'll be all on you, anyways. Yeah. <laughs> um, they, what, yeah. they have way better lawyers than you'll ever get. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, related to that, um, one of the things that I noticed maybe is a difference, maybe it's not real, but I was attracted to doing this because, because it's an app, I found that most of the customers are of higher quality is the wrong word but because they know they have a credit card they're being tracked and everything mm -hmm. it's less likely something bad will happen than if you just pick some stranger off of the street I you know you'd, you'd like to think so uh, but I mean there's there's people that hide in plain sight all the time and mm -hmm. I don't know if it, how hard it is to get a credit card these days yeah, Probably I mean, there's, there's there's scams that are going yeah. on, and then there was that 16-year-old girl who murdered an Uber driver and Shoki sure. yeah. at 3 a.m. I mean, I mean, you know, people, bad people and good people adapt to changes in society, mm -hmm. and since the way we live now is all through these machines and these screens, all, all those people have to keep robbing and pillaging, so yeah. they'll figure out ways to do it. Yeah, let's go left. <laughs> Um, but I just bring that up because there were a couple of stories that you shared in your book uh -huh. where it was like, like one I remember was this guy that you talk about who sounded like he was some covert military officer. Oh, yeah. Uh, that I took to the suburbs? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He kept bragging about uh, about having a gun, that I would, I would be safe. Mm -hmm. And then, then he was drunk. He passed out, you know? Yeah. So I was lost in the suburbs for a while with him. Yeah. But even not, not not stories like that. It would I know like 
there were several stories about, you know, people who... Actually, no, let's go straight. Maybe had some mental issues and or stiffed you. I mean, that's the biggest thing is yeah. when you're in the app, you have a reasonable certainty. Like for me, actually, I in over 2,000 rides, last weekend was the first time somebody stiffed me on a fare. Yeah. How, how did they stiff you? Like how... It, it was kind of comp I'll tell you when we're not okay. recording oh, okay. but uh, all right you know it, it was kind of a weird one one unique situation yeah um, but you know the majority because it's the app you don't have to worry about payment you don't have to carry cash sure and I mean as a cab driver you people know that you've got wads of money on you yeah. and that you know if, if someone were to rob you I mean there's you in those days you weren't like recording in the cab no I know uh, I think I mean, I never was very concerned about safety, but I'm not a fearful person. Okay. The, the cab drivers that I heard of who got hurt or got robbed or were victimized in this way or the other, let's take a left, um, were people that were, were radiating fear. It's, and that, I think, is more of a primal, like, law of the jungle kind of thing where predators mm. will smell fear. If you're afraid or you're suspicious of the people you're dealing with, they'll know that. And I just wasn't. I just wasn't afraid. Uh, I mean, I got burned a few times, but that's just part of the job. Uh -huh. People running out without paying, you know? And the cab drivers that were stupid enough to chase people out of their car somewhere in some neighborhood they didn't know, I mean, you're just asking for it, you mm -hmm. know what I mean? <laughs> Like, it's just, that's just part of the business. Right. Just like a, you open a store and you get, you know, th you know, you get shoplifters. That's part of the business. Right. Um, we may run out of time this time. I mean, mm -hmm. if, we, if there's an episode, it's part two. Okay. There's this whole aspect. follow-up. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's this whole aspect, too, that I found about ride-sharing, about um, segregation in Chicago. Because mm -hmm. um, there are rideshare drivers from every corner of the city. But See, that, that I think, is one, the, one of the best things about rideshare. Uh -huh. One of the endless complaints about cab driver in the cab driving era, which is pretty much over now, mm -hmm. is that uh, cab drivers would never go to the south side or the west side. Right. Now, they're, they're Lyft and uh, Uber people in every neighborhood, and that's fantastic. Yeah, uh, and, yeah. and to it's all, as yeah. it should be. Right. Know? Everybody yeah. deserves to be able to to get a ride, right? And you know, to, to offer a balanced view, I mean, I when I first started, I was wary about taking people far to the on the south side. Sure, I no longer feel that way. However, there are a lot of drivers whose policy is, I will take people wherever they want to go, but I will not pick up on the far south or west mm. side. Um, and and these comments come from drivers of all races. Oh, I know. Uh, I've also, the only racist incident that I've had was when I picked up these drunk white guys in Beverly, you know, uh -huh. Marionette Park, sure. uh, Oak Lawn, you know, I've, I've always had very respectful passengers in the African American communities on the sure. south side, so yep. it, it's a complex issue. Very, yeah, you know. uh, it, it's not simple, but uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, some some of the worst racist stuff for me. Well, because I'm a white guy, and mm -hmm. I I've, I wrote about this in my book. Yeah, I had a chapter called "The Only White Cab Driver in Chicago," because 
other white people would see me and feel free to say racist things right. about other cab drivers like they thought it was safe. Right. It was a safe space for them. Right. <laughs> Which it wasn't, but it was it was pretty appalling. Yeah. And that stuff happened in, you know, places like Wrigleyville, you know. Right. <laughs> well, and then you, you see these comments pop up on the rideshare forums about mm -hmm. certain ethnic passengers who smell. Uh-huh. And it's usually, you know, a particular ethnicity and then there's all these discussions about well why did you have to mention their ethnicity? Just you could just said they smelled. Yes. You didn't, you know, have to imply that all people from that, you know, smell. Sure. So. Well, I mean, yeah, unfortunately, we're, uh, I, I, I defy you to find anybody who actually has no prejudices. Everybody does. Yeah. I, you know, we, we have a bad experience with somebody of a certain race or whatever, and then, then you make, a, you draw a conclusion mm -hmm. you know, that, that they're all that way. And it's not true, but it's just like such an easy human tendency to do that yeah uh, you have to you have, you have to battle that you know it's an endless process so I, I one of the things that I liked in your books is you sort of made it pretty clear that you'll take people anywhere <laughs> yep just um, like in in the movie taxi driver I go anywhere anytime yeah <laughs> um, but in just what you said previously, there you must also have a taxi cab driver sixth sense where you can say, "Oh, this person is bad news." Yeah, you you have to make. I mean, speaking of prejudices, you have to make a value judgment within seconds uh -huh. uh, whether it's somebody you feel safe with or not. Yeah, uh, and yeah, I, you know, a few times I was I was pretty lucky. I had very few really bad situations, but a few times I had to put somebody out of a cab. Because they were acting off, they were saying strange things. I didn't know what they were doing. I, it wasn't worth the risk of <laughs> of yeah. getting them where they wanted to go. Uh, yeah. And what what are those things that you're looking for in those few seconds? Uh, I mean, to, to, you know, basically, well, if if you see somebody who can't even stand up because they're so drunk or so high, you yeah. know, you don't want that 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 kind of mess in your life uh -huh. but uh i you know i i wouldn't i'd be hesitant if i couldn't see the person's face like if they if they had a hoodie so far that it was it, their whole face was mm -hmm. in darkness you know yeah I, I wanted to at least have a second of face-to-face rec -face recognition to see a person if they'd make eye contact with me you know what i mean okay but basically i would start off on a neutral ground, not judging them un until they they did something that was off. Okay. And I, I drove around people that I undoubtedly were criminals, gang members, like bad people. But it, I treated them with respect and they treated me that way back. Mm -hmm. Almost overwhelmingly, you know? Very few exceptions. Yeah. Yeah. Did you take credit cards? Yep. I've always wanted to ask, what what is the deal where I know, will I will tell you exactly what the deal is. Okay. The deal is that once years and years ago, when uh, the city started requiring cabs to accept credit cards, uh -huh. the cab companies then turned around and slapped on an extra fee for the drivers to cash them. Okay. So, so just the, the cash cost of accepting. The cash, uh, yeah, and you know, I mean, in the olden days, you know, you could hide your income all in cash, you know. Whereas with a credit card, there's suddenly a record. But uh, 
for me to, to cash my credit card with the company, they were charging me 5%, which is absurd. Okay. Uh, when it, when it should, and so, so then a lot of the drivers pretend like the machine doesn't work or something, which is almost never true. Okay. And even if the machine, if the system was down, you could have a, a you know, carbon paper backup record, you know? Uh, let's see. Let's see, I've blocked off here. One to turn left. Yeah, let's just go straight. Um, so what I, I mean, what I started doing was just using a square reader on my phone instead of going through the cab system mm -hmm. because square was charging 2.9. Right. Right. And if you take a few credit cards, that starts to add up. Yeah, it was just, it was change and it was, it was a changing system and it was, uh, you know, something people weren't used to. You can take the left. Wriggle back out of this thing. This is Prairie Shores. Mm -hmm. so like a really old high-rise kind of plant community thing. Um, yeah. so I just want to switch gears real quick because yeah. I, I talked about this earlier. How did you learn all the streets? I mean, I read that in London, to be a black cab driver, there's an extensive test. You ride around on the knowledge. You ride around on a scooter for a year or a couple of years. There you actually have to memorize everything. Uh -huh. Here it's a little bit easier. I mean, Chicago... The big blessing of Chicago is the grid. So right. if you know if you know how to count, <laughs> you know it's by blocks. You can't get that far lost in Chicago, unlike Boston, which was just configured, as they say, as the cows wandered away from Boston Common, meandered away. That's how they laid out the streets there. Here we have a grid, and which makes life a lot easier. But really, uh, gotta go right here on King Drive. Um, there's just no substitute for just doing it, you know? Okay. And after a time, you, you do have a mental map of the city in your head. I mean, I got to where I could tell you within a couple of bucks what the fare would be. Right. Like, because unlike the Uber, the, the fare isn't calculated beforehand. Uh, there's a running meter, you know, which is based on distance and on time. So, mm -hmm. but I could tell you within a dollar or two what your fare would be. Yeah. anywhere in the city, you know, without even thinking, it would, it would just pop out of my right. mouth. I mean, take you like left, left here uh, after this bus, get me back towards my neighborhood. Especially like out in Portage Park, you have all these weird curving streets. Sure. So, well, anywhere where there's a diagonal street in Chicago, things go a little wonky. Mm -hmm. Like where, yeah, like Milwaukee or Elston or on the south side, Archer or Ogden. Yeah, because there's dead ends and right. it kind of screws up the grid. But yeah, the grid is a is a great great help. I guess uh, that's one thing. Yeah, I didn't realize is is before rideshare. I think passengers probably were a little bit more tolerant because they knew like you had to memorize a city. Now that the bar has been raised because they see that you've got this GPS. Well, you say raised. I, I hear nothing but it, that it's been lowered, <laughs> complete because you guys are so uh, dependent on, on the the nav systems that you mm -hmm. don't know the city at all. The, people are having nostalgia for cab drivers that act, who actually knew the city. Right. I hear this all the time. <laughs> well, I only meant yeah, raise the bar and that customers expect you to take the most efficient, yeah. optimal route. And because they can see it right on the phone, yeah. if you miss a turn, they're like, oh, you should have turned there. Or, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> whereas I, I, in the old days, you know, they probably just trusted that you knew where you were going. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know why uh, uh, the 
rideshare people don't learn the city on their own. I, I don't get it. You, you do so much better. Because the dash systems steer you wrong all the time. I mm -hmm. see it all the time. Yeah. Uh, where either they're not aware of traffic patterns or like this, that, construction, one-way streets. There's a million factors that only somebody who actually drives the streets will know about. Mm -hmm. um, also, also the thing of uh, being so dependent on the nav system rather than listening to your customer. I mean, as a cab driver, I would always take the route that the customer wanted me to go. Right. Because nine times out of ten, they were wrong. It would work out in my favor. <laughs> yeah. You know right, what I mean? Right. But they, but arguing with a customer is a lose lose because they'll feel like you're showing them up and being disrespectful, right. and the they'll probably you, you know you you make less money and you antagonize people right yeah you want it's it's not that the customer's always right but you want him to feel like he is right you know? right. right yeah and that's also and been then you make more money it's also <laughs> been discussed in the ride driver forums um some again kg veteran drivers have figured out ways to pad certain routes of course because we are actually getting paid by time and distance like cab drivers are yeah regardless of what Uber decides. It's just being calculated, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, they'll often take the longer route. Yep. Cab drivers all, were always famous for that. You know, like the classic example was like, you know, the tourist out of towner and they would take... I remember people telling me like they they took a cab from the airport and cost them like $100 uh -huh. to downtown. Like how the cab driver was able to pad the meter. That I don't know where they took them. Yeah. But that's... You know, it's it's forty. It was forty dollars. Right. Like it was hard not to get it over that. Right. It's hard to do it. You know. So I don't know how they did it, but they did it. They would take them all over Chicago land or something. Mm -hmm. and drive around in circles. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so yeah, all these things are they're, you know, the technology's changed, but all the worst human tendencies are all on display in the new right. in, in the new era, just like in every other right. era. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and that's yeah. why, uh, as we approach back to where we started, um, I think you're right. A lot of these stories, or I mean, probably I like to say since the chariot was invented, yeah. there's probably been chariot drivers that tried to pad the ride. Yeah. Or drunk people that, you know, caused oh, a scene. Yeah. I mean, my first, my book and like all my writings about cab driving is called Hack because Hack is short for Hackney Carriage, which was the horse-drawn carriage, which was the first taxi. Mm -hmm. that, and in Boston, where I started driving, uh, a cab license was called the Hackney Carriage License. Okay. So that's why it's called the Hack, and old-school cab drivers were called Hacks. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I, I bet, I'll bet you that, like, in the, whatever, 1700s, it was all the same same stuff. It's just, just the technology's yeah. been updated a bit. Do you ever see yourself driving a cab? Anytime? Oh, again. no, never never again. No. No, I, I put in my time. 12 years is enough. And like I was saying before, just the, the prospect of sitting in a car mm -hmm. for more than a few hours is just, it's like a, no, I, I, I put in, I, I drove enough for several lifetimes. Okay. <laughs> um, I hope never to even own a car again. <laughs> you own a car now? No. No, okay. I haven't owned a car in years. Uh, I, I, I take CTA most of the time. Okay. I have another friend who is a black car, long-time black car driver. Uh -huh. He's on my list to interview soon, but 
last time I talked with him, he says he wants to educate because he feels like a lot of rideshare drivers don't realize the long-term health consequences oh, of sure. driving so long. Yeah. Uh, Back you, problems, like all, all kinds of stuff. Yeah, I think weight he, gain, uh, a lot of stuff. Yeah. I think he was kind of implying too that the fact that you don't go to the bathroom as much, like you hold it a lot, can lead to kidney or sure, you know, urinary tract. I don't know. Oh, no doubt. Well, I mean, I, you know, <laughs> in the cab there, yeah, there's cab drivers that have their you know piss bottles and like you know, right, like kind of. <laughs> old school ways to, to to remedy that problem, but uh, yeah, that that was a it was a constant problem. I had, I had a chapter in the first book called Relief about basically about bathrooms. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, so the mo- yeah, I mean, I've used some of the most disgusting bathrooms ever yeah. known oh, to they- man. Because I mean, what what do you think happens when it, uh, hundreds of men each day use the same bathroom? You know? Oh yeah, it's not a pretty picture. <laughs> Well, yeah, the, the, the rideshare version of that are the porta potties at O'Hare. Sure, yeah. Uh-huh. You get. Uh, I got real good at finding, uh, you know, cap stands or stop, uh, stores that had public bathrooms that were reachable easily. Mm-hmm. Uh, take a left at, at Halstead here. Okay, I'll, I'll show you where I dropped off. Um, yeah. Yeah, one rideshare driver has actually put together a Google map of places to go to uh, the bathroom. That's. that's yeah, you talk about mental maps of the city. Mm-hmm. That's one. That's a map that any driver will will know. Yeah, it's good for you to know, like places that you can quickly stop and run in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I think we're getting near the end of our time. Um, I had asked you when we first before we got in the car, of what was the most memorable story out of all the ones, and is there one that you would choose or stands out? It see it's a lot of people have always asked that and you know I wrote two books full of things that stuck right. in my head I believe with that I mean you know 95% of the the rides I ever took were completely forgettable mm-hmm. you know they I would ask them where, where they were going where to which is yeah. the name of my second book it's called that because that's what I would say to most of the people when they got in they tell me, and uh, I take them there. They pay me, and that was the end of it. Uh, and the, yeah, the ones I wrote about were people acting strange or people memorable in some strange way. Uh, and sometimes it's sort of like if you could pull over right on the right here, this would be great. Um, I I don't know if I could pick just one. Okay. I mean, like, what people always want to hear the most extreme it's stuff. Like, like a lurid thing. Yeah, the lurid yeah. thing, like people having sex in the cab. And I have one story like that in the book. I have, right. I have a guy that I drove around aimlessly for about an hour because he claimed that I knew where he was going. It was called, you know, where I'm going. Mm-hmm. And it turned out that he wanted to score crack. Okay. But he wouldn't tell me because he was so zogged out that he thought I knew. Right. And... He told me all this, these crazy stories about how he was in town to do uh, a tribute show to Chris Farley at Second City. Mm-hmm. He was this big fat guy, so he could have he looked the part at least. And we would drive around. We were driving all over the place. He would point out buildings that he claimed his family had owned, and uh, yeah. 
Yeah, people will tell you. Asked me actually earlier before we started recording if any of the stories were made up in my books, and they weren't. But I mean, with this one big asterisk, is the things that I talked about that the customers told me. I have no way of verifying if any of that was true. Right. But the right. true part is that they told me these things. Right. Whether any of the stuff they said was true is a whole other right. matter. <laughs> this um, other book that I mentioned um, that was written by a rideshare driver, mm -hmm. I think one of the takeaways, again, was not necessarily the lurid stories. Yeah. I think he he wanted to suggest that one of the reasons he quit being a driver is it changed him in a way that yeah. sort of like you lose your humanity because you, you get very jaded and cynical and it's all about, you know, making the buck I, I had the the exact opposite experience, if anything. Okay. Because I think I went into it. I mean, I was very young when I started. I was twenty three. I think I was cynical and jaded at the beginning. But the more people I drove and the more I watched these little bits and pieces of people's lives, as I understood that if I put myself in their situations, I wouldn't have acted any different. I think it kind of opened my mind more than anything. Mm. Um, it made me a little more generous and a little bit more accepting than I started out, weirdly enough. Well, on that note, we're going to bring it to a close because we've arrived at where you're going to. Yeah, I'm going actually to a different coffee shop to go work, uh, to sit on my computer and work on a, a new book that I've been writing. So i got to go do that. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. Well, thank you very much for making time and showing me a little bit about the, uh, the South Side. Sure. Thanks for having me.